0: So, Harry like, so so Potter. So no, oh Harry Potter.
1: Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry
0: Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter.
1: Harry Potter. Harry Potter. And the Half Drunk
0: Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Emily. And this week is episode chapter number 69. I'm not going to stop being a middle schooler whenever I hear that number, but it's a special <laughs> episode because we are talking about Old Sluggy. That's right, Professor Horace Slughorn at your service. And we decided to talk about him this week because we are starting our reread of Half Blood Prince. So here we go.
1: Yes, that our first deep dive will be coming next week. So we thought this would be a good kickoff because uh, Slughorn is obviously the new teacher we meet this year, and he is an interesting character. I feel like people either really like him or really don't like him,
0: you know. And I feel like that's basically how Harry feels about him when he first meets him, and right. that's how we all kind of feel about him for a while. But I think for me, towards towards the end of Half Blood Prince or even maybe in Deathly Hollows I realized that I did like him it just he kind of puts off a a weird vibe like you don't know who he really is I mean he disguises himself as an armchair when you first meet him so there's <laughs> just kind of an air about him of just like who are you actually yeah
1: he's definitely mysterious and I mean we'll get into this later but I think it's hard for me to wrestle with him as a person just because of his blatant favoritism right right yeah um But before we get into that, our drink of the week (laughs) this week is mead, um, to honor the drink that Slughorn and Hagrid got drunk on
0: in front of Harry. When they were mourning, well, Hagrid was mourning Aragog's death, and then Slughorn was just like, yeah, I'll get drunk, and then (laughs) possibly get some of this venom. He took it as
1: an excuse to drink, which... I get it. Um, So (laughs) mead is an alcoholic beverage that's created by fermenting honey with water, sometimes with various fruits, spices, grains, or hops. The alcoholic content ranges from about 35 to more than 20%, which (laughs) mine definitely is not that. No. It may be still carbonated or naturally sparkling, dry, semi-sweet, or sweet. Um, I hate this. (laughs) <laughs> so it's not good. <laughs> I don't know. Do
0: you like honey?
1: I do like honey. Uh, this reminds me of kombucha, and I'm not a kombucha person. So mm. yeah, I mean you either like Slughorn, you either really like kombucha or you hate it, and I hate it. So
0: I see. I don't know. I feel like I'm just like a eh, on the fence about kombucha. Like I I will drink it sometimes, but. I don't hate it, and this mead I don't hate either. It just kind of reminds me of honey wine, which I'm all for wine. It's okay. It's not my favorite. It's not what I would reach for typically, but if it's offered to me, then I'm not going to be like, no, I don't want it.
1: Yeah, but a fun fact about mead that... I know weirdly, and I don't know why I know this, but the Sprouse brothers, they own their own mead
0: company. <laughs> Wait, like The Sweet Life, Life of Zach and Cody? The Life of Zach
1: and Cody. Yes! Dylan Sprouse, and I'm pretty sure Cole as well, they, they own their own mead company.
0: Well, yeah, I want to know why. How you know random. This. Have is you just that? been watching Sweet Life on Disney Plus or something and no, just Googled actually them? No,
1: <laughs> I've been too into lizzie mcguire and lizzie
0: mcguire yes but, lizzie mcguire
1: no i don't know why i know that but i do and it cracks me up every time because i'm like that's just so random and it's also so like so random so didn't they go to nyu it's like i feel like it's really up their alley i don't know it's weird i've never known of a college student to like what's your drink of choice oh mead you know mead but <laughs> I mean, if so, I probably would have been like, that's cool. And I would probably would have just moved Maybe there's just a in. lot of
0: money in it. Maybe there's a big market for it. Over I feel Europe, like there's
1: so. a big market for it on the hipster level. I think that they're trying to bring it back. Which, you know,
0: you do you. Well, if Zach and Cody, or <laughs> Dylan and Cole Sprouse, rather, if they went to Hogwarts, I think they definitely would have made it into the Slug Club for that reason. Uh,
1: yes, they would have.
0: Also because they're famous. But anyways... <laughs> Let's start with a little Mary Kill before we get into some oh, facts about Slughorn. I know, we haven't done a Shagmary Kill in forever, and let me tell you, it was kind of hard, because we've done a lot of characters before, and I don't want to just keep doing the same old characters. So, obviously, choice number one is Slughorn, because this episode is all about him. Right. But then, also, we're going to add a couple members of the Slug Club, at least from... Harry's year with Slughorn as a professor, so Blaise Zabini and Cormac McLaggen. So shag Mary kill out of those three.
1: Um, ew. <laughs> Mary Blaise shag Cormac and kill Slughorn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I would shag Blaise, Mary, McLaggen, and kill Slughorn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I don't know if we want to like justify these in any way, but uh, I'm so pretty sure. Old,
1: so like, no, thank Well, you.
0: yeah, obviously, like that one is, you know, explainable. But I think mclagan you know, as much as he comes off as kind of like a jerk, that can be rectified. He can be trained to not be such a <laughs> pompous little know-it-all. And as far as Zabini. I'm pretty sure his mom has like made her fortune by like all of her husbands mysteriously dying and her getting it. So I'm a little afraid that that might be a hereditary trait,
1: and that I mean, he would
0: just like. I kill would have his wife. absolutely nothing to kill me off for. So <laughs> it's like you have nothing to gain. <laughs>
1: yeah. He would do that. Look at my bank account and be like, no. But I still feel
0: like, you know, it, it could just be problematic if, for instance, you came into fortune or he just, like, had an issue with you all of a sudden and, like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. wanted life insurance or something. So, I don't know. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> well, let's get into some background on Horace Slughorn. And I think we should start from this quote that Albus says to Harry after he first meets Harry and asks Harry his opinion. And Harry's just kind of like, meh. And Alvis totally gets it, and he says that Horace likes his comfort. He also likes the company of the famous, the successful, and the powerful. He enjoys the feeling that he influences these people. He has never wanted to occupy the throne himself. He prefers the back seat. There is more room to spread out, you see. But Horace Eugene Floccus Slughorn <laughs> what a name. was born on the 28th of April. Sometime between 1882 and 1913. That's kind of a big gap there. Yeah, that's... And
1: mm,
0: yeah, we're just going to say 1913.
1: That's 40 um, years.
0: That's, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> kind of a large range of speculation. Let's just say it's 1913. And I'm personally... it. This article that we're reading off of uh, just like Harry Potter w- wiki says that they think that... That he was a pure blood or half blood. I personally think he was a pure blood. Yeah, I do too. I mean, for obvious reasons besides, like, being in Slytherin and his kind of tendency to favor those who are exceptional wizards, we're just gonna say he's a pure blood until we're proven otherwise. But he attended Hogwarts and he was obviously in Slytherin before returning in 1931 as Potions Master. And he was also then. Serving as the head of Slytherin House. And then he retired 50 years later in 1981 due to his fear that Dumbledore would discover that he was the one who told Tom Riddle about horcruxes.
1: Right. So following the return of Voldemort and the Death Eaters beginning to seek Slughorn out, the retired professor lived a life on the run and also as a chair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also a life of disguise. (laughs) Yes, he was a chair. In
1: 1996, Dumbledore convinced Slughorn to return to Hogwarts by tempting him out of retirement with the prospect of collecting Harry Potter as one of his so many other students, with his true goal of being to learn what Slughorn had actually told Riddle. Slughorn eventually divulged his true memory. He continued to teach during the 1997-1998 school year under Voldemort's regime, And was surprised to learn that Voldemort meant to recruit him, only to teach the young wizards that Voldemort would deem suitable to attend Hogwarts. So, obviously, pure-blood descent
0: students. So, in Deathly Hollow, Slughorn was still teaching, even though Dumbledore died. And Slughorn took Dumbledore's death pretty heavily. Yes, But he came back not only to teach, but he also was there during the Battle of Hogwarts, and he sided with everyone defending Hogwarts, and he even ran off at one point, and McGonagall thought that he was like running away, but he was actually running to go get reinforcements from Hogsmeade, and then he comes back, and then he is also dueling with McGonagall and Kingsley against Voldemort, so we see that he actually has some pretty good dueling skills, and he's really not afraid to pick up and battle with Voldemort, and he probably feels like he kind of is rectifying his sin of divulging the horcrux information to him by dueling with him. And then he's honored after he retires a second time by having his portrait hung in the Slytherin dungeons. So we know that Slughorn was born basically in the late 19th century, early 20th century, early 1900s we'll say, and we think that he was pure-blooded. but. His parents never believed as strongly in the ideals of pure-blooded superiority as some of the others did, but they nevertheless encouraged Horace to make friends with the right sort upon arriving to Hogwarts. But they still were loving parents, and they only quietly encouraged this belief, which I think kind of planted the seed of Horace's need to surround himself with The rich and famous and powerful people.
1: Right. And I think also you have to keep in mind this is the nineteenth century, early twentieth century, so they're obviously gonna have views that are more dated, you know? Like it's just how it is. It's not a justification by any means, but it's just how it was. It's
0: kinda like this maybe this old ideal of this aristocratic society that dies hard in his parents.
1: Yeah. And it's, like, they it's obviously not the modern age, so they're going to still think that wizards are superior because, you know, they can do more things than muggles can at this point.
0: Right. I do find it interesting, though, because we know that Slughorn is a good wizard. Like, he's obviously very skilled in potions. He's skilled in dueling. He can do non-magic. He obviously is good in transfiguration. He can change himself into a chair. Like, he's obviously a very competent wizard yeah but he never wants the spotlight he just wants people to know that he has connections with people who have the spotlight which I think is very interesting as far as like psychology is concerned on someone who does have all of these talents doesn't want to broadcast them I think that's something to be said maybe it's a good and bad thing right because On one side, he's encouraging, like, a selectability of his students and a favoritism of his students, which makes the other students feel like shit. But on the other hand, he's kind of, like, not wanting to put himself in the spotlight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely likes to surround himself with powerful people. That's just a given. Who doesn't, though? You know, like, I think when we choose our friends, we also choose people who we find to be incredible and who we find to be, you know, really great. Which I think he did to an extent. I think he took it a bit further and had kind of an eye for celebrity, obviously, Mm -hmm. because he jumped right at the chance of Harry. Like that's why he came back, and yeah, I mean, but some people are like that, right? You see that a lot, especially in pop culture now. That these influencers and. Other people want to be surrounded by powerful celebrities, and that's becoming very common now, so I guess we could kind of, like, put him in that category if you need a modern comparison. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, he was a super powerful wizard, and he never wanted to put himself in the forefront. He preferred the background. But I think also that's a protection for himself. Yeah. Because you don't have to run into a lot of issues if you stand in the background and have all these powerful people around you. You're never going to be the focus, so you can
0: mess up, or you can do whatever. You can hide behind all your powerful and famous friends. Exactly. Yeah, I think there's something to be said. I mean, obviously, he was powerful, and that's why the Death Eaters were trying to recruit him, and he had friends, or pupils, former students who were Death Eaters, like Lucius Malfoy. Right. But I think, you know, before when you said he came back for Harry, I think that's definitely a big perk and a big reason he he wanted you know to collect Harry as one of his new slug club members but I also think that what really kind of struck a chord with him was when he realized from talking to Harry that he would be safer at Hogwarts than anywhere else because Dumbledore was there yeah
1: he definitely is very selfish he's a lot of things I think he's great I think he gained my respect in the seventh book when he actually returned to Hogwarts, but he definitely is selfish. He wanted to protect himself. He wanted to save his own skin. He wanted his secret to not get out, you know. He just is a selfish man. And, I mean, some people are, and that doesn't make them a bad person by any means, especially not during a time of war because you're going to want to be safe yourself, you know. Like, you can't really fault him for that.
0: Right. Well, I think another you know, characteristic of him is he's very prudent. He even tells Dumbledore at one point that the prudent wizard is always kind of planning ahead and planning for the worst. And I think that's something that he really is. He embodies, like he's always kind of thinking of his way out or his escape plan or, you know, trying to protect himself somehow. So I think that really shows that he is a Slytherin because of his prudence and also his shrewdness. In fact, I think at one point, he is described as being very shrewd and um obviously that is a very slytherin characteristic of him but i do think that he kind of he kind of shows us that slytherins aren't all just they they don't deserve all the negative connotation that they get right showing us what a true slytherin can be like like yes he does have some of these qualities that we associate negatively with slytherin as far as favoring pure blood but not even pure like he does talk about and he kind of offends harry when he talks about hermione and how she's like muggle-born but still the brightest witch of her age he's like oh it's crazy how that works sometimes right and harry's like no not really and he's like oh i'm not trying to offend you like i understand that she can be the best your mother was the best at potions and she was muggle-born look at her right but he also shocks us sometimes with not exhibiting some of those Slytherin traits, like returning to the Battle of Hogwarts.
1: Yeah, and I think at this point in the series, we really have only seen Slytherin through Harry's eyes. So we know that Malfoy and his gang, they're Slytherin, and And he doesn't like them. And Snape, and Harry at this point, A, doesn't trust him, B, doesn't like him, and C, kind of just thinks he's an asshole. And at this point, you know, Snape has given him absolutely no reason to think anything other than that. And he also has Voldemort, who was a Slytherin. So, basically, as a reader, our eyes on Slytherin through the sixth book have been negatively, like, shadowed. Because that's just yeah. what his connotation, with the house is. And I think you're right. I think Professor Slughorn really changes the narrative for us for Slytherins, because while, yes, he does exhibit some of the, you know, typical, stereotypical uh, traits of a Slytherin that we can deem as negative, he also is super caring, like, when he talks about Lily, like, he loved her, I mean, he loved being her mentor, he thought she was fantastic, you know, I think what you said when he, like, semi-offended Harry, I think he really did try to, like, give a compliment, I, I- It might have come off negatively, but I think he actually was trying to give a compliment.
0: Yeah, I do too. And then,
1: you know, he cares about Harry. And at the end of the day, even though it was painful, and yes, he was drunk when it happened, but he, you know, said his truth in order to help the cause, no matter what it would make him look like. Right. And up until this point, a true sacrifice on oneself and one's appearance and one's, like, integrity... That's never been a Slytherin trait we've seen. Right. And that's where he kind of, like, changes it for us. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I've never really thought about that, but now that's all I'm thinking about.
0: <laughs> well, let's get back a little bit into kind of his backstory. So we know that he goes back to Hogwarts and he's teaching, but let's say his first stint that he's teaching, and he obviously recruits Tom Riddle into his slug club. So we know all of this from going back into memories in the sixth book. Basically in 1943 when he was hosting a kind of dinner party in his office consisting of mostly Slytherin boys, which I think is a completely other topic to talk about when it was just mostly boys in the slug club. But I mean,
1: I get the Slytherin part because he was their head of house. Right. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. But then we all know that Tom kind of stayed behind and he tried to question Slughorn on the matter of Horcruxes, and whether it would make him more powerful if he were to create six. Therefore, having a seven-part soul, F7 is the most magical number. And, you know, despite Slughorn being kind of shocked and taken aback by Riddle's interest in this dark magic, he, he kind of just gives him an overview of Horcruxes, and on the condition that everything they s- discuss between them would be just between them. Slughorn was also horrified at the thought of multiple horror cruxes, but I don't think at the time, I think he knew it was wrong to tell him that information, but he loved him so much that he was just willing to kind of please him by giving him that information and making him feel like more of his star student, but I don't think at the time he ever suspected that he would go on to actually make them.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think he'd suspected that either i mean could you imagine like your star student is like um hey what about a horcrux
0: how like, about if i split my soul six how about times if i kill
1: somebody and then i split my soul and i put it into an object is that how that works like you don't think a sixteen-year-old's gonna do that? Like, no, probably I think he just has read like, it this in a book.
0: blind, just right. believing in his students, just curiosity, and he's just answering a curious mind's question.
1: Right, and he, you know, probably had, you know, even though it's twisted magic, right? He probably had respect for Tom Riddle for like doing research outside of his schoolwork. Yeah, and asking these questions and. You know, Tom was extremely manipulative. Yes. So, he would have gotten the answer anyway, and he knew how to work it. Especially
0: if he's bringing him his crystallized pineapple. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I don't, honestly, I don't blame Slughorn for doing that. Um, People did so much worse for Voldemort's bidding. You know, giving a 16-year-old some information that probably was a bit inappropriate at the time, but... He was a teacher, like you're supposed to give your students information and it's not like he taught him how to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think at that point Tom really needed anyone to teach him how to do it. He pretty much had figured out how he was going to kill somebody. But, you know, Slughorn felt extremely, extremely guilty over this admission and that's why he modified his memory because he really didn't want anyone to know that he could have been the jumping off point that Tom needed to learn how to make these horror cruxes. And yes, that's problematic that he modified his memory, but like who the fuck wouldn't? Who would want somebody to know that they were the ones that did that? I mean, yeah, when Dumbledore was asking him, he probably should have just told him the truth up front, but I would probably want to run away and hide from that too if I thought that I was the reason that somebody went on to... Potentially, I, I don't think they know for sure that Tom made Horcruxes at this point. Yeah. Like, I think Dumbledore is the only one who has put this together. But I would want to modify it, too, looking back, if that student that I told would become a mass murderer and, like, most feared wizard of all time.
1: Yeah. I do think it's interesting, though. Um, when Voldemort came to power, Slugborn didn't know it was Tom because his appearance had changed so much. Yeah. So... Slughorn finally realized that the dark wizard was indeed Tom Riddle, and he was mortified, as you would expect, because I was his star student, probably his favorite. Yeah. He's hiding at this point. Uh, So, in the late 60s, early 70s, when Voldemort returned to ask to teach the dark arts, uh, Slughorn actually hid from him so that he wouldn't have to meet Tom face-to-face. Slughorn was extremely happy when it didn't happen, Um, but when the first Wizarding World started, he heard rumors that Voldemort had achieved immortality, and he believed he was at fault for telling him about Horcruxes. Dumbledore was kind to Slughorn, even though he knew that he was hiding a secret. Slughorn stayed at Hogwarts during the war, and it was a safe place, and he vowed never to tell anyone what he told Voldemort. I also think um, it's interesting, while he did also have Slytherins in his slug clubs, they looked a little bit different at this point. Like, this is when he asked Lily Evans to be in his slug club, and this is when he asked other Gryffindors to be in there, too. In the 60s?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think he kind of changes with the times a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) he he kind of moves with the times. We gotta give him
1: props for that.
0: Yeah, he does. He's... He's kind of a renaissance man. He changes. He's you know, he keeps up with the modern times. If if he had social media today, he probably would be an influencer, he I would definitely say. Definitely would be an influencer. Just because of the company that he keeps. He's like one of those people after you are following someone who's super famous and you see that they're interacting with this other person who has like maybe thirteen thousand followers and you like just follow him anyways. Yeah. But anyways, so let's talk about we mentioned it before when he was with Hagrid and Harry after Harry had taken the Felix Felicis potion. I think this was the chapter and according to Wizarding World website, whatever the fuck it is now. This was the chapter that made us fall in love with Horace Slughorn. I don't know. I think fall in love is a strong term, but it definitely made me appreciate him more and see a different depth to his character that I didn't really know existed before. Like you said, we see that he actually loved lily and this is when you know they're all getting drunk and slughorn originally was just there to try to get some venom off of aragog after harry kind of told him what was going on because harry had taken the potion and just happened to swing by the greenhouses just for the hell of it and run into slughorn there and told him that haggard was bearing his large aggermantula i can't say that um but then They're there and they have the little service for Aragog and they're all drinking except for Harry. He's just sitting around laughing at them and they're like toasting to literally everything. And then they toast to Harry Potter. (laughs) I think it's funny here when Hagrid says, To Harry Potter, slopping some of his 14th bucket of wine down his chin as he drained it. Yes, indeed, cried Slughorn a little thickly. Perry Otter, the chosen boy who, well, something of that sort, he mumbled and drained his mug too. And they drink to everything, and then Slughorn seems to turn from the obsessive collector fishing around Hagrid's hut for various rare trinkets to genuinely and sincerely bonding for the right reasons, something that he has often had trouble with.
1: Yeah, that's definitely interesting. While his intentions going down there weren't pure, it is interesting, that because obviously Hagrid would not be in his slug club. I love Hagrid. I think he's a fantastic character but you know slughorn probably wouldn't have seen it that way yeah he very much was like what can i get out of this he probably wouldn't have seen anything that he could get out of hagrid which again not agreeing with it's just what happened i mean he
0: doesn't see it in ron weasley he doesn't see it in neville longbottom he doesn't see it in a lot of characters that we would think should be in there
1: right yeah exactly so he's actually like mourning with hagrid and having this sense sense of camaraderie that you're and right. And sympathy for him. He would have never had that before.
0: Yeah, I mean, considering that he has always surrounded himself with the elite people of society, and now he's just here in Hagrid's hut and just filling up his mug with meat all the time he finally seems like he's kind of relaxing and being more of himself yes you know he's drunk and don't we all kind of say more what we're thinking when we're drunk and not what we're trying to show the world i mean we sure as hell do (laughs) yeah so but then i think more importantly in this chapter he also shows his real sadness when harry is talking and goes through how his family was killed Mm -hmm. that's what finally spurs him like his remorse for the fact that lily and james but mostly lily were killed by voldemort is what kind of spurs him to actually give him the real memory and says that he's not proud and he's ashamed of what the memory shows and he thinks that he may have done great damage that day and although he was very drunk and probably doesn't even remember doing that. I think it was a huge turning point, not only for Slughorn, but, you know, how he admitted that he was wrong and that he was ashamed, something that we don't usually see a Slytherin do. But it was also a huge turning point in how we perceived his character and had a greater appreciation for him as more of a complex character than we might have originally thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. And I think it's very important for J.K. Rowling to show us these vulnerable sides of these characters. She did it with Dumbledore at the end of the fifth book, which we raved about, right? Right. And she's obviously done it with Harry multiple times because he has, he's just, he has so many emotions and he really isn't afraid to show them, which, kudos. (laughs) Uh, She's done it with Hagrid multiple times. She's done it with Hermione a couple times. And it's important, I think, personally, that she does it with these Older mentor characters that while she does show Slughorn as this proud you know boastful man who is very selfish and is very like meticulous about who he places around him
0: and materialistic
1: very materialistic he also has emotions and he has feelings and he has remorse and but he also has love and Mm -hmm you know it all comes back to love right in this series but truly lily potter or lily evans must have been this like miraculous human being that she has two slytherins two slytherins in love yeah. like Who i mean obviously her? horace's love for her is very different than Snape's, but they loved her and they were dedicated to her. It
0: is just a damn shame that we don't get more Lily Evans time.
1: Right, like we keep asking for Marauders prequels, but like right now I really want a Lily Evans prequel.
0: I mean, she would be in the Marauders prequel, yeah, but for one sure. that just
1: focuses on her. I she must have just been fabulous. And it's honestly a damn shame that we don't get to learn more about her.
0: Just give it 10 years. Eventually, Disney will swallow up Warner Brothers. And then <laughs> that'll be a new show on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> true, true. But anyways, I think, you know, It's Lockhorn deserves his props. And I'm so glad that he came back to keep teaching. Not just yeah. because he felt safe, but because he actually does care for his students, like we said. And he is a really good teacher. Like, whenever he was a potions teacher, I think... You know, obviously Harry had the Half Blood Prince textbook, but I do think that even if he hadn't had it, he would have gotten better at potions naturally, just because Slughorn was a good teacher. He was very like excitable and cared about his students, and he wasn't throwing shit at them or insulting them all the time. I was about to say he
1: also didn't have someone telling him he sucks and he was the worst. Yeah, like he's an encouraging
0: teacher, and he's clearly very skilled at making potions. Like he. Brewed felix felici as a reward and you know he obviously made a very strong love potion one day and he's just very good at what he does so i'm glad that yeah. he came back there
1: and you know after dumbledore died we have to keep in mind like that's one of his best friends in a way and obviously like a huge crown jewel you know,
0: of a person. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they started teaching around the same time, so they've known each other basically their entire life.
1: They go way back, and they've been through a lot of shit together, and the fact that he showed up again after his death while he was obviously mourning because he realized, Hogwarts is gonna need me, and these kids are gonna need me, Mm -hmm. instead of going back into hiding and becoming an armchair again, and then also fighting in the Battle of Hogwarts and coming through for those kids and coming through for the good of the wizarding world. I think it's very important to highlight those moments because that shows immense character growth. Yes. He could have easily gone back into hiding and been on the run and, you know, transfigured himself into a, an armoire or something, but <laughs> he didn't. He, he was there and he was teaching these students. He probably still had a slug club, but it probably looked a lot different. Yeah, if I had to I, assume.
0: Honestly, I think you know when he gave his real memory over to Harry, I think was a transformative moment for himself too. I think Probably he a was huge kind burden
1: of burden, letting
0: landed. go of that part of him that he had been holding on to and hiding for so long. That finally he was just released to actually kind of grow as a man and as a teacher. And yeah, I think that might have been a big reason why he does have more responsibility that he feels to come back and protect and fight for his students and teach them the right things and try to mold them into being good wizards so he doesn't make the same mistakes that he made before right all in all though i i really like old sluggy i do too he has his faults but i i think he deep down is a really good guy and he deserves some credit and responsibility for changing the way that we view Slytherins and you know I'm excited to read more and get some more good quotes of him as we go forward in our deep dive
1: yeah I really like him too and I'm appreciative of his character growth in just a book and a half I right it's amazing and I also you know he's really entertaining I've started reading the half-blood prince we both have and you know that scene where he is an armchair it's hilarious
0: yeah i love how he's like yeah it really wasn't that hard i already had the padding for it it's just all in the upholstery
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's funny and you know it's light in a book that is extremely heavy there's a lot of shit that we're gonna have to like read and divulge into and it's getting really dark and he kind of is like a light moment every time he's in the story and yeah I think that's good we need characters like that i mean we have luna lovegood and she's like that and i think it's good that we have you know a professor that's like that as well
0: yeah i think this just again goes back to the genius of jk rowling that she strategically is introducing us to these characters that teach us something better about the world usually whenever the plot is getting darker and darker it's sort of like a balance that she throws in there but anyways (laughs) i think that's Basically, all we can say about Slughorn. So, to old Sluggy, raise our glass of mead. <laughs> Ew, the professor, no, thank you. <laughs> the professor who changed the story, basically of Hogwarts.
1: Well, as always, you can find us at HP Half Drunk on Instagram and Twitter and Harry Potter and the Half Drunk podcast on Facebook and also on our website, HPHalfDrunk.com.
0: And you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, yada, 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 all that jazz. We also link to our episodes in our social media posts once a week. And while you are listening on iTunes, feel free to give us a five-star rating or leave us a review or send us anything you want to hear. We would love to take some suggestions. And yeah. All
1: right. Have a good week. Cheers. Mischief managed.